Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Hope all is well. Welcome back to this most recent episode of Sports and Torts. Hope everyone enjoyed my man Kate Perrion last week and that y'all are enjoying the weekly college football show Last Call with Jason Gans and Lawrence Kessler. A lot going on around here and it's a lot of fun to be had. So what are you waiting for? Jump on board. Come hang with us. We have another special episode today. We have Eastside Baseball Coaching Royalty in the house. Y'all heard me all summer talk about Graham's baseball team and he fought along with us through Cooperstown. Well, with us today are the architects of the squad, the captains of the ship, Coach Bill Miller, Coach Scott Brooks, and Coach Larry Manning. Guys, we are all super appreciative of all of you three, of all y'all done over the years, and I'm super excited to talk with you guys. So, uh, welcome. I mean, the season's over, but we're finally getting a chance to do this. How are we doing, guys? Doing good. Doing outstanding. Yes, sir. <laughs> all good, all good. Well, look, all of us know you all, people that don't. From left to right, Scott, introduce yourself. Let's everybody know who you guys are. Scott Brooks, uh, dad of Logan Brooks, who's on the team. I uh, grew up in Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. Go dogs. Uh, die hard. And uh, yeah, just have enjoyed coaching all the boys as a part of this team um, since a lot of them were seven. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Bill? Bill Miller. My son is Lachlan Miller. I grew up in Miami, Florida, and hate to say it, but I'm a hurricane heart all throughout. Are the hurricanes back? Took down AM. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything at all about that. We're riding high now. We've been busted so many other times, overrated, and come back to the house now. So Larry? Larry Manning. Uh Matthew is my son, and originally I'm from Long Island, New York. Um a lot longer time ago than most of you, and uh, uh, came here when I was 13 and played in what was all-star baseball, so much different than it is today. Um, One of the original class of Walton High School, right? Not, mm, <laughs> I was the original. I was the third year Walton was open. Third year Walton was open. I only went there one year, and then I went to Wheeler. Very good. Well, I think what's neat about the three of you guys is y'all's sports background is all very unique, right? I mean, different sports, all of you guys played at a high level. So, Scott, you were... Track, right? Yeah, I ran cross country and track in college. I uh, grew up playing baseball, basketball, a little bit of football. And um, at a certain age, I was a lot faster uh, runner than I was a good baseball player. And so I transitioned and played high level tennis uh, in high school and could have played in college a couple offers, but chose cross country and track. Bill? Uh, I played baseball and football in high school. And then went on to play at Valdosta State in college, playing football. Stop, stop the baseball, though. You stopped it or they stopped it for you? They stopped it for <laughs> me. Well, no, actually, my coach, it was funny, though, because my coach said, I can give you, get you a scholarship to go play anywhere you want to. But I was so focused on football because my background, my dad played in the NFL. So that's why we, he pushed football, football, football. So I could have got a scholarship play baseball but decided to go for Larry it. with the first zinger of the day huh coming in hot <laughs> that, that and I hear you umpiring a lot of the Braves games Bill Miller behind the first base or whatever uh what did I what is this question what you, I did yeah so I played I played all sports but um mostly baseball um through a wheeler and then I went to southern well I actually walked on to Georgia one year and uh then I played at DeKalb mm -hmm. North uh that same year and then three years at Southern, what was Southern Tech, what is now Kennesaw State. Um, I played, you know, I played JV football at Wheeler. Um, that's pretty much. Pretty so lo lots of athletic competition in this group, lots of high level play. And, and you guys all got into coaching when your kids first started playing, right? Um, around here, they seem, I feel like kids are starting earlier and earlier. I mean, we're probably, we're probably gonna see a two, a two U travel team coming up soon enough. Um, we hope not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but so, so Larry and Bill, I'll, I'll direct this to you because I don't really know how y'all met. I mean, I know that y'all started coaching at five U y'all's boys, um, played on summer teams at five U, but did y'all know each other before then? Um, were y'all coaching like the regular season teams and y'all's boys were, you know, were, were, the, were the better players. And so. The travel team came. Take us down memory lane. That was what eight years ago, nine years ago. How did it happen? Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I was on. I wasn't even coaching that five U team actually. 
Um, I was on the, well, that was the fall team, the Blue Claws. Then I was on, I guess it was the Giants with Oscar, probably. I thought you Um, you didn't coach that. No, but he coached his team. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know him until the the Thunder team was selected. And then we were uh, determining who was going to coach it. And we both put our names in a hat and he won. (laughs) <laughs> but we said we actually went out of the room and did the voting we said whoever wins we're going to do this together and so for, for the benefit of those listening that don't don't know how east side works so thunder is the all-star team i guess the travel team that is formed based on the regular season um you know after the regular season is over some the, the kids are, are chosen um and so y'all were the original coach of the five u team right and then the idea is that team stays together players come and go but essentially y'all were the coach of that team from five u up until last year through 12 years. So eight, eight seasons coaching that team. Correct. Mm-hmm. Something that you always wanted to do. I mean, looking back was, was coaching like, Hey, I, I wanted to be involved. Don't be with my kids. I'll be with other kids. Like just kind of did y'all's parents coach. How'd, how'd that go? You want to go first? Well, I, I always tell you, um, my dad, you know, he played professional football, so he really didn't spend much time with us kids. So I felt like, Hey, I want to spend time with my kids. The only time I can be able to do it. So, I, let me go ahead and I, I watched Liam go through it already. So I watched Tim Shields. I don't know if you guys know him. I was always on his team. He was the head coach. He, he went on, was the, um, the Thunder coach as well when they were young. So I just watched what he did. I was like, hey, this didn't take rocket science to do it. I want to spend time with these kids and give back to the community. And it was an opportunity to do it. You did have the benefit of having the older son. I mean, the three of us, you know, our boys were the oldest, so we had never really seen it before. And many times I heard you kind of fall back on the experiences that you have seen that helped mm-hmm. help you do a great job for this team, right? Um, so that's interesting to hear that, like, that's kind of part of what made you want to get involved. Larry, how about you? Uh, I'm a control freak. So um, <laughs> there's, there's twofold. One is I'm a, I, I like to accurate, be in control. Accurate. accurate. Uh, like to be in control, but the bigger thing is, um, you know, know your place, right? So my son plays football now. He played soccer. I sit on the sidelines. I don't know that sport the way those coaches do. I know baseball, so, you know, I played it for a long time. So I have a passion with that, and I just wanted to to do that, really, to be honest with you. Because I think, you know, there's, when, when you get someone that doesn't know that at all, um, you know, that's just, just – I, don't, I think it's better if you if you, you have some knowledge in the sport. So mm-hmm. for sure. Now, Scott, you your family came to Eastside at seven. U. is that right? Because y'all y'all you moved here from another state. And tell tell about your tell, how did you live at Eastside? Yeah. So we first moved back to Atlanta. I grew up in Georgia. We moved away for several uh, years. Moved back, and we had two kids and one on the way when we came back. And um, we just I think Logan was three years old. We Googled little league park near us so we ended up at a little league park um, instead of east side we played there for probably two years and then transferred over um, and his first year was seven u uh, at east side and i volunteered at the other park was on the board coached um, but my coaching actually started when i was in high school i coached um, basketball uh, different sports um, when i was in high school just enjoyed working with kids and just always always enjoy seeing kids motivated and and uh and kind of what what makes them tick and what makes them want to excel and so um i went to three schools uh in college and so i had three different coaches um i've worked for a multitude of professional sports and so i've been around different coaches and so i've kind of taken all those different styles and tried to implement that when i coach kids and that's the thing that kind of got me started in wanting to kind of continue doing that and so at east side volunteered to coach at um 7u but at, at east side there were i think we had 22 teams that year and i was told that uh we don't need a head coach we need assistance and i was like okay that's fine i'll help out um and then the next year was able to be a head coach um but yeah it was unique coming to a park that has so many volunteers who want to coach um and so that was a good mm-hmm. thing and I uh, just really enjoy working with the kids. And- yeah, so that, that Pinto age, seven and eight-year-old, there are, what, between 20 and 25 teams. Our our class specifically, I felt like, was huge. And each one of those has you know head coach that you have to get, get approved. Um, sounds like first year there wasn't any slots open. Yeah. Um, but then each team has, like, three or four dad helpers, and they're lined up to do that. So you got, like, 80 to 100 
you know, dads, parents, whatever that are involved. It's, it's an amazing place. Yeah. I mean, you said, I can't say enough good things about the people who are, are involved there and the volunteers, the dads who help coach uh, to the parents. Um, but yeah, you had to have a, enough credits, if you will, and you earn credits by coaching each year. And so to get those credits to be a head coach, you had to kind of trump everybody else because of the number of years you put together. And um, so it's just kind of an interesting concept, but a great place that has enough volunteers. It's interesting to hear you say that you took like bits and pieces from the three colleges you went to or, or you know, three, three different coaches you had. I mean, same thing with you guys. I mean, can you think about different coaches that you had along the way that made an impression and you said, hey, that's the kind of style I want to you know, mm-hmm. kind of reflect in my own coaching? Well, yeah. Anything in particular right. or anything? Well, how mummy back in the day, the Valdosta State and um, uh, Leach. Leach was one of the weird – most weird people you ever meet, but he was, he was just low key and he was really a, a player's coach. And I mean, he was quirky. He had his things about well, him. Yeah, he, he had his very, ways about him, but he was one of those like kind of evil geniuses. You know? He is. Yeah. Well, that's what he, he was a lawyer to begin with. He wasn't even a head coach. It wasn't even a coach. So he, his, his style was odd, but it worked. Right. Larry. I can't. I was sitting here thinking, and I, I don't have any impactful coaches that I looked up mm-hmm. to and said this this guy's got you know mm-hmm. uh, the um, uh, what's his name from Notre Dame, you Lou know, Holtz, yeah, Lou Holtz, <laughs> that kind of thing. The the guy at Southern Tech, Charlie Lumsden, um, he did something sort of like I hate to even put it on the same platform like AA did for the Braves put together a culture of kids that just wanted to play baseball. I mean, we just were so tight knit and that's what worked. And he mm-hmm. let us be us. We goofed off a lot. We had a lot of fun, but we knew when it was time to play and it was time to practice. He didn't even have to, to tell us what to do in practice. We ran our asses off. We, we played hard, practiced hard. And, and, uh, I respect him for that. It was pretty cool. Um, so now, the three of you guys came together at 9U, right? That was the first year we were Diamondback. Were we Diamondbacks? That's when Graham, yeah. that's when, so Graham and Logan played together for you at 8U yep. on the Lightning. Lightning. Mm-hmm. And then you guys were on the Thunder team. And then those two teams, you know, kind of combined at 9U. And that was the first time that, that Graham played with you guys. We played with, with you all before. So, do you remember how the three of you guys kind of came together and said, okay, we're now going to be kind of a, because I look, I look at y'all very much like a three-headed, I mean, monster, but in, in, a, in a nice way, like, right? Like, how, how do you remember that conversation? You're like, all right, let's, three of us, let's do this. I don't really recall, to be honest with you. I, I don't know, recall either. I knew who they were because we coached against each other um, that year, but I, would, I wasn't really close with you guys, didn't know you that well. Um, I think it was we went to the world series. We had a meeting there about like, there's going to be a tryout and we're going to have a team. We don't know who's all going to be a part of that team. Um, that was when we were in Mississippi. And then when we came back, we said, okay, we're going to have a tryout. And if these kids make it. And I said, I think I was like, if Logan makes a team, then I'll volunteer and be a coach or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. One day we got together um, to tr- just try to pull kids together for a team. That's the way I remember it. Yeah, what do you think? I, don't, I don't have any other. We knew a bunch of those kids were leaving going to six four three. Yeah. So we needed to backfill our team but with was, with your team as well. You know, so it was writing on the wall. That was when reality hit about, you know. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think back to eight U when we were going through it, and that was the first year that people of our age were leaving the park to go to these these travel programs. But now, I mean, you're going through it with your younger son mm-hmm. and y'all are experiencing it at six you right like or, or seven you kids that are saying we're gonna not play rec ball anymore yeah speak to that yeah last <laughs> year was the first year at seven you they did a hybrid team um and they really played a schedule that was based on a travel schedule they still played rec um but did the hybrid and then played the summer and then this year uh the team that my youngest son's on they've decided they're doing kid pitch at eight you and so um they're going to do that. I've actually taken uh, Keegan off the team because I just think eight is too young. I think every person has got to make the right decision for their own kids. So those parents are making their decision based on the knowledge they have. I think Keegan needs another year of growth. I think 
We've all seen it. You're talking about kid pitch it at eight U. Yeah, there's a handful of teams around here that go kid pitch at eight U. When we were at that age, there were teams that did it. And I'll say, when we were nine U, we were kicking their butts the next year. So I don't think we lost anything in a in a Mm -hmm. year, if you will. Um, I think you know every family's got to make that decision on what they want to do. But we've seen it now enough kids with arm injuries at twelve and thirteen that it makes me take a precaution and say like, hey, one more year is not going to kill us to wait on pitching. And that's what I was going to ask you, Bill. I mean, you've now gone through it twice, so you have the benefit of seeing two, you know, two of your children. Um, go from five to 12 to Liam is now what, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Why, why are parents around here specifically in such a rush, you think, to, to get their kids into these travel programs, into this kid pitch, into this next thing? Like, I look back at Graham's time at, at Rec Ball, like with fond, fond memories. What's everybody in a rush for? I think it's, they want to keep up with the Joneses. I it's mean, everyone, pressure. it's peer pressure with these, all these other teams. They're, they're doing it. And they think they need to do it to keep pace with everybody else, which I'm totally against. I mean, you don't even know what, we have, what kind of kid you have until they hit puberty. It's all about having fun right now. If you're gonna, if you're gonna get into it on, you know, this early and try to be an all American, or your parents are pressuring 12. you, yeah, twelve. It's 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 ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I've heard you say that before. That the wait until they go through puberty and then and then let's reassess. That's what everybody's at. That's like, when you have. That's like, when you know what you have. The last thing you want to do is peak at ten or peak at twelve, right? Like that. That's not what what the philosophy that our team ever was going for. I mean, not yeah, you use the word fun, you use the word families. Like to me, like that's what the three of you guys were always trying to make it about, and I appreciate that. I know the people on the team appreciate that. Was that a, a an intentional kind of decision that that's the way we want to run this team as opposed to other programs do it where it's all about that $5 piece of jewelry ring at the end, make sure you win at all costs. Larry, I mean, that's not what we were looking to do. No, I mean, Mm -hmm. first of all, I want to say step back and say, you know, the rec program, I I look at this, at these programs, like two, two phases, you know, there's a rec piece and then there's a travel piece. And I understand as the kids get older, it's a little frustrating throwing across from short and the kid at first doesn't catch very well. I totally get it. But as a coach, developing a kid who can't catch to, to be able to catch and you see the look on their face when they do it and get him to hit a ball when they can't hit it is really rewarding for not just you, but for the kid. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think for some of the teammates that can help pick them up along the way. I think it's really cool to be in the rec program. And let the kids wait for that. Oh, here we come to summer. Now we can whip the ball across the diamond. And then when you get there, it's okay. That doesn't mean that there's no more fun. Um, I, I truly believe that hard work and hard practice is fun, especially when it turns into you know success on the field. My motto is also the more fun you have, yeah. the better you're going to play. And vice versa. And I kept on saying that. Yeah, <laughs> the better you play. So hard practice makes mm-hmm. you play well, which is fun. Yeah, I started some stuff with our rec teams when I think they were eight because we'd been a part of a team and had seen a lot of things. And so as I became a head coach, um, I implemented a couple of things where we had spike pads for the boys and that would go on the kid who performed the best. Um, And we had an acronym. It was it was go hard and it was hustle, attitude, respect and determination. So hustle, no matter what you're doing, have a positive attitude, respect for your teammates, your parents and the umpires and be determined to be the best player on the field. And that was something that eight, we were preaching to rec teams. And I took that on as we went every year and I didn't continue to preach it to our boys because a lot of them started doing that. But I did at a certain age, I would say there's three things when you're out there, have fun, get dirty, which is slide, you know, go home with the uniform. Yeah. Dive, make sure there's dirt and then uh, be the best player on the field. Those are the three things. If you can think about you're doing your best, be the best player on the field um, and what you can do and achieve and help for your team, then your whole team's going to succeed. I'm reaching that a lot. Was that a George Brett thing? George Brett had the um, hustle, get dirty and uh, be the best player on the field. And I think he had a couple other acronyms in there that we can't repeat. <laughs> um, it's a family show. Yeah. But I really liked his saying. I heard that one time, and that was something I would, you know, remind the boys and preach to the boys. And, um, but yeah. You mentioned practice. You're a practice guy. I mean, you like the grind. You like the, the process. You want the kids to enjoy it. Um, it's important, right? I mean, so how – how did y'all go about, I mean, you mentioned a few things, but keeping practice entertaining, keeping it fun, keeping the, keeping them engaged, because baseball can be slow. 
Yeah, I'm a practice person. I think the more reps you can get, the better you're going to be. Um, I like practices from a standpoint of the games are fine, and I enjoy practices more because you're spending more time at practice with the kids or with the coaches or with the dads who are helping out yourself. Like you were out there helping out. I love practices more than anything. The baseball games are great, and they they get to go out there and perform, but practices are where we're spending time together. We're getting to know those boys and how to push them, how to get them better, and everyone's a little different. I love fast practices, so when we can do tons of hits to multiple places, I can get practices going a little too quick where kids are trying to catch up and parents who are watching from the sidelines like, what is he doing? It looks like a circus out there. But when you get it all moving in tandem and all the boys are moving around and they're fielding and they're throwing, I just think that's kind of like a piece of art. Like it's fun for me. I love seeing the boys engage with each other um, and pushing each other. I know that when I, the few times I was a head coach for rec seasons, I kind of got nervous before practice, nervous meaning like, how am I going to fill this hour and a half and keep them entertained, keep them engaged, keep them entertained? Like what kind of drills can we do? Um, did y'all talk before practices and say, okay, this is something we're going to work on because I never felt like it was slow or it was not thought through or not being thoughtful. Was that like discussions y'all have beforehand? Except when we do live, live is slow, no matter what you, it's hard, but you got to do it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, live being I mean, we, scrimmaging, yeah. the scrimmaging mm -hmm. part. Yeah, it's it's pitcher stuff. We would talk beforehand and figure out what we're going to do. What we need, we like that that weekend before we see during the game the tournament what we needed to work on. So we decide, hey, what we need to do. Did y'all view the three of you? I'm talking specifically from nine year old, ten year old, eleven year old, twelve year old. Each had your individual roles, responsibilities within the team, whether it's practice or at games or who's in charge of this, who's in charge of that, because it's a monumental task to take this thing on. We never we, that, 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 that is the reason that we are still together is because we really do have three different roles. Um, not mm -hmm. really, not so much roles, it is, but it's also like we just kind of know where our lane is. And um, so I think that's been key to the... Well, I don't think yeah. we ever talked and were like, hey, you're yeah. the X yeah, or no, you're the X. Yeah. I think it just kind of naturally fell where... I mean, this guy does sign language so well that he's going to be the third base coach. <laughs> he's going to give signs from the bucket. He, he, it's just what he does. So we just step back and go, you do that. Ron Washington, baby, send him. I send, send, send him all the Get time. Get that rotator cuff work and send him. I loved coaching first yeah. base because I just like to be in the game and, you know, um, you know, on the field. And until it got to be an issue with my son, then – you know, I mean, I stayed there, mm -hmm. but you know, that's that's a whole nother. No one has that's more, a whole nother. No one has more fun coaching first base than Bill Miller, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's making first, he's every single person out there. The, out the, yeah. the other team stands. The other coach. Hey, Bill, we got hey. a game going on. He's yunking it hey, up. Well, you hear Larry back there. He's getting a fight with the fans over there every time. That was the problem. <laughs> no. That 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 is true. But that. what I was gonna what I was gonna say about the coaching, it, of course, I had the name as, as head coach, but of course, all three of us did it together. But the way I look at it, hey, they put as much time in there as, as the next person. So I was, hey, if they want to coach first, I, I, I was like, hey, you do what you want. You want third? You want to do call the pitches? You're as, as a head coach, you're as good as your assistants. If you look at back at like football, hate to say this Clemson, but right now Sweeney is in his problem because all his great uh, assistant coaches have left him. Yeah. And now he's going to struggle. You're, so you're only the head coach. You're assembling your assistant coaches, to, and you're only going to be as good as your 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 worst assistant coach. Yeah, you always were very good about that. And practice, you, I always felt very welcome to come on the field and help out. And, the more the merrier. You know, if I showed up an hour late and I could help out for an hour or thirty minutes, whatever it was, like dads enjoy that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like you come in and shag balls or come in and hit ground balls, and you were always like, hey, more. All hands on deck. Let's go. You know, I remember you bringing the heat. One of our last practices out there pitching. I was like, where's this guy from? Josh was throwing some bullets. So here's the thing. I, I, I saw that the lifespan of my involvement was like coming to, coming to an end. And that if I, and, and if I, and if I blew it out, it was fine. And I also saw that these kids in a year, I wouldn't be able to do that to them anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know? Like whatever I was throwing, they turned around on me. So I'm like, this is my last chance on this mound to, to, to give it at. And uh, that was fun. I mean, I probably threw, I don't know how many pitches I threw, but uh, I do know you're talking about, and I did have a good time <laughs> that night. Um, all right, the other thing, and I'm not looking to get anybody in trouble here, but roster construction, roster management is a hard, hard thing in U-sports. We all know that. But our team, 
stayed pretty consistent. I mean, a couple of, you know, one or two here, or there. Um, but I remember you at, at 11, you saying like, this is the team we're going to keep for two years. So no one's got to worry about between the year, what this, that, and the other, like, um, this team's going to Cooperstown. Everybody can take a deep breath. Like we don't see it everywhere. Like everybody's always searching for the next player, the next, this, next, that, like, was that something y'all decided amongst yourselves too? Like good families, good group. Let's just roll with what we had 11. Yeah. Just I'm saying in general, like I'm I'm saying I'm saying at nine through twelve. Well, I think the majority of the kids have been the same. There's been some changes. Yeah, up and uh, down, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can safely say we weren't trying to be an East Cal Astros, you know, win the the majors or anything like mm-hmm. that. We knew where we were. Um, developing the kids, seeing them improve was huge, and they were tight knit. The families were great. We were all having a good time. Um, I think that was the majority of it. Every year we seemed to be no looking for a player or two, but we weren't going to, you know, go searching. There for were never wholesale changes. No. No. And it's funny. You know, like I said, my, that Southern Tech team I played on were so tight. We brought in a kid. Our kid came in from New York, actually, ironically, and we, we basically kicked him out. I mean, he just had a different attitude. We told the coach he doesn't need to be here. And I think when, you know, when we pick up a player outside of East Side, it's, it's a tough fit. It's kind of tough. I mean, we, we saw. I think. I think not to name names, but we we know. Mm-hmm. You know, we we added one. It worked for a while, but then they left. I don't know if they just didn't feel the the same familyness that we did. But yeah, I think from a philosophy point, we we wanted to keep the team together. Um, specifically, roster size. We wanted to keep it less versus having fifteen or sixteen kids, which meant we were going to struggle at tournaments um, where we didn't have the deep pitching. Um, but we mm-hmm. always wanted to keep smaller because we felt like having to have two kids sit out in an inning sucks. None of us want to choose who's sitting on the bench, and all the kids are mm-hmm. good. Um, but then you know we had a year where we had twelve, and it was all of a sudden you had three kids sitting on the bench. So the next year we we're like. Let's keep 11. That means two kids sit out. Um, the reason we went to 12 is because we had some injuries from other sports. Mm-hmm. And so it was all of a sudden we were you know, scrambling to put nine on the field. But we were always smaller roster for us, meant more reps for the kids, more uh, more field time versus if you were at another organization not getting that because there's 14 or 15 kids on the team. They're asking you not to come on Saturday because there's too many kids and X are going to sit out. So that was our philosophy is less – lesser kids but um more reps more quality and, and and i know this is on the agenda somewhere so bring it up now it's just that we never we always batted everybody and we tried mm-hmm. our best to play everybody you know as equal amount of innings as possible um but always batted 12 in the lineup or 11 whatever was there everyone batted and i know that you know yeah well you're not turning the lineup over you're not turning the lineup over well you know this is this is our team mm-hmm. so yeah, we faced that first year when we were nine yeah. teams that would, you know, have twelve or thirteen on the roster. Where you get to that final game and they'd only bat nine, we were batting eleven that year. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember being super, super proud. Ten um, U down in uh, Panama City, and we came back and beat that team twice to win the World Series. The team um, that was factory, 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 factory. factory. So, uh, and and they they went and batted nine, and they were turning their lineup over left and right, and we stuck to our guns because we had never not done it that way, right? And I was really proud to be like, look, we did not change. We stayed with our philosophy. I say we, the coaches made the decision, um, and we still kicked our ass. And to me, like that was a very proud moment. Yeah, and after that game, I heard one of their parents yelling at their coach. They just batted – uh, all their players, and they still beat us. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. Well, you know, it's funny. When you have 12, and as, as we do, or 11 or 12, it's not always the one and two batters that are hitting. It, it, we always have some, you know, a group of two or three that are hot, could be eight, nine, and 10. It just, it always worked out that way. So The other thing y'all always said is, if we had 11 kids on the team, we had 11 pitchers. If we had 12 kids on the team, we had 12 pitchers. And everybody did pitch. Some, of course, pitched more than others. But there was never a kid or two that was like, astronomically throwing more pitches or more innings. Everybody got a shot. No one got burnt out. Um, another philosophy that y'all, you know, discussed and, and played out. They're young. You know, what do you want to do? You want to burn one kid's arm out? Look now how many kids, like you were saying earlier, how many kids have blown out their arms? I get a few that were on our team right now that grew up with us. They're not even going to be playing any longer. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I, I, wanted, to, yeah, I wanted to go back to where the philosophy of uh, – 11 or 12. It, it's, to me, it's all about the families. The families and the kids, as long as they can get along with every other, everybody else. If you have one bad apple, 
it's going to spawn into two to three to four. So there's there has been some kids that should have been on our team, but are not on our team for that reason. Yeah. Y'all agree? Yeah, I think every situation you want to have a core nucleus that meshes together. It's mm-hmm. the, you know, a term in baseball, I think, is uh, uh, chemistry in the locker room. Like, you got to have good chemistry, and it's people who want to play together, want to have fun together, want to do things outside of just baseball to grow. Um, well, that's part of, I think, overarching coaching. The sport isn't necessarily the sport with coaching. It's also life lessons. And one of the big ones is your teammate, you got to pick them up. You know, that, you know, there's always a best kid and a worst kid on the team, you know, but you have to treat everyone the same, not mm-hmm. just us to them, but the kids to each other. And at times we've heard things like, you know, can't anybody else hit? And we just take that. And I, I mean, I get fired up mad when I hear that stuff. Yeah. Know? That's one thing that definitely I mean, gets you going. You know, so yeah. The, Go ahead. I was just say the pitching, you know, our core philosophy is we wanted to work with every kid to pitch. We had kids who struggled, um, you know, their first year, second year, but we kept working with them. You saw them kind of continue to develop because um, we don't know what position they're going to play later in life. It's mm-hmm. the thing Bill just said. They're going to hit puberty. They're going to go through gross. You're going to have a kid who goes from being, you know, first baseman to all of a sudden he's a pitcher only because he's grown to be six foot two and he can throw hard. You're going to have a kid who's a lefty who all of a sudden can pitch or a kid who's a righty who can pitch. And so we always had that philosophy of trying to work in good situations to help kids out so they didn't get down on themselves, but that they were getting that chance to pitch. And I think the one of the things I was proud of is when we went to Grand Slam or we went to these bigger tournaments, our World Series, our Cooperstown, we pitched everybody. And we put everybody in a good situation to pitch where they weren't going to get down on themselves. And we protected their arms as much as we could with keeping the pitch counts down um, and keeping those innings not limited, but to a safe degree. Yeah, for sure. Now, you mentioned Cooperstown, and that's that's the tournament at 12U that really, as you're a Little League kid, Little League family, everybody kind of works up to that. And that's one thing that you always said, like, at 12U, that's, that's what this team is going to stay together for. Um, you have to secure a ticket. You got to get it through the park. I mean, like, there's a whole thing to get there, right? Um, so, when did or when or how did did Bill did you get our team admission to that tournament? Was it like a year ahead, of, two years? How does that work? Well, each year, I mean, they have the tickets for the they have the tickets for these other teams that go. So, I actually had one like two years they beforehand. They, they being the, the park, the park, yes, but. The park, I don't even know that. I don't think they actually have a ticket themselves. It's the, yeah. it's actually guys that go in and have bought these tickets for, they've had them all, I mean, probably 10, 12 years. And they just get passed down they from get coach passed to down coach and, to coach to coach. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so the ticket that we used last year, I imagine you have now. Yes. Okay. Michael Trent has it now. Okay. And then what he'll do is he'll give it to somebody next year. So it keeps Eastside in the game at Cooperstown. Now, we sent three teams this year, which right. I imagine – that's a pretty big number from one park, right? Did y'all know? Yeah. No, yeah, it is. It just shows it, sh- it shows the talent that we have here in our backyard. Um, and one thing I meant to mention, mention earlier is all the kids on this team live within, what, five minutes of each other? And we're playing against teams and competing really well against teams that are getting from 50 miles away yeah. from each other, which is pretty neat, too. Um, well, right, some teams are just like, well, how about Prime? They just fly them Prime, in. No, yeah. but Prime is yeah. more or less the whole state of Florida. Yeah, I remember when we played Prime, their coach was over at uh, – I was coaching third. He was in the dugout, and he was getting hot because we put up some runs. And uh, he came out, and he's like, where are you guys from? And I was like, we all live within three miles of our park. And they were from all over Florida. And so he was like, that's not, they're not – no, they're not. And I was like, yeah, we all live within three miles. And, um, you know, they were the number one or two ranked team in the country. We were battling them and put up a good – uh, fight with them. So, but it is interesting when you have teams that that was what 10 U when we played them. Yes. Who are putting together these 10 U from all over the country. Select teams. Team. That's great stuff. Yeah. So, so back to Cooperstown. Um, a lot of people that will li- be listening to this today um, started following our team at Cooperstown. I mean, y'all didn't get a chance to, to, to listen, but I, me and James Demartini and Brian Hampton and everybody were, were kind of following along with the, some announcing of the games. We had a, uh, camera set up y'all were on the field but we had fun with it i don't know if y'all have gone back and, and tried to listen to any of it but but everybody got kind of behind us it was it was a cool thing um 
y'all were working. That was a business trip for you guys. We were out having fun, drinking, you know, hanging out and y'all were working. So first off, thank y'all for putting up with our kids for the week and living in the barracks and doing all that you did. Um, I will tell you that on check-in day, when I walked in the barracks, I was kind of like, whoa, this is a little smaller than I thought from the pictures and videos. What was y'all's impression when you saw your, your no, living? Well, I was there four years before that with my older son. And I remember it being bigger than that too. So I first walked in there. I was <laughs> like, Inflation gets everything. <laughs> well, it was actually the same. It had to be the same size. I just imagined it be bigger. And I walked in and I was like, holy smoke, this is pretty small. It looked like half the size of the actual picture. When you looked at the picture and you walked up and you're like, oh, it's a big, not a house, but a barrack. It looked like a large barrack, except for it was half that because the other half was another team yes, on the other side. Small. And I was like, wait, this is really small. What do you think, Larry? Well, I, I grew up going to sleepaway camp up in New York, so bunks I'm, not, I'm familiar with. Um, but those had bathrooms in the back. We had, you know, mm -hmm. I was a little, like when I heard that, oh, we got to walk to the bathroom outside, you know, sometimes no like, Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just felt like, just like, I mean, to me, the mess was the biggest problem. <laughs> well, to set the stage, I mean, and, and we'll post some pictures, but there were, what, eight bunk beds? So, um, well, no, there were six. six it was eight six a team. No, there's six. No, there had to be there's 16 six. in no, there. There were eight. He's right. Eight. Eight. Yeah, so there's 12, right. so 12 players and the three of y'all. Yeah. I don't know the dimensions, but pretty small. Um, did y'all get any sleep that week? Were the mattresses comfortable? Did y'all take rotations? Let, let us know how that week went. First of all, just thank God that we felt finished where we did and i don't know if we just won those games like you know all these tournaments you go if we win today we play at nine and a good or one o'clock instead of this i was looking at like we can get a, a day and a half off and we don't have to sleep in the barracks you know and so we got we got lucky with the rain so we only slept in the barracks like what three nights mm -hmm. i think so yes I mean, that three was, nights that was a godsend <laughs> so um the you know the barracks and the bunks the first day i, I mean we got a a thank our team moms so dana jen and stacy for setting all that up because we got there things were labeled isabella your daughter helped out labeling and getting things organized it was a zoo because every size shirt pant all the wrong sizes so we had to go up there exchange everything come back get it in order um and and all in a hot bunk yeah and all the parents were like Bye. see ya see ya exactly <laughs> see ya yeah. um Food situation. I remember that being kind of a, a talking point. Not a highlight of Cooperstown. <laughs> yeah, food. Was food is energy. Good. Come on now. You only get through the day. I, Bill, I Bill had the. So. Yeah, Bill I know, had the I know you do, and I do too. And so to see that some of these kids are a little more picky than most. Bill had more tuna fish that week uh, <laughs> as a lunch meal than anybody. So were y'all eating in like cafeterias? Was it buffet style? Was it anything that anybody would want to eat other than the situation you were in? Circus tent with no yeah. fans. So hot. Um, the boys. I wouldn't recommend going there and eat. I'll go there. <laughs> You're better off. Not on a foodie tour. I, yeah. I enjoyed bringing the water bottle of Philip Gatorade. That's about it. Yeah. The boys really went, I think, crustables almost every day and a soggy chicken nugget. And that's breakfast what it was. Breakfast was, was the worst mm -hmm. eggs ever. Yeah. And I can't say that the food was very good. No. Any snacks? What was that? Oh my God, we had too many. Parents loaded us up yes. with snacks. We had boxes and boxes of chips. Plenty, plenty. We had to bring them home. In fact, we threw them away. There was no snacks needed, really. Were people falling asleep at normal hours, or was it chat, chat, chat? Was there was there a curfew? The first, the first night, yeah. First night was it. Well, we had the. Um, was there a game? Game wasn't the first night. It took a while the first night, but then somebody's alarm went off at like midnight on a cell phone. Uh, I can't remember. It came from Matthew's corner, but I don't remember whose alarm. So everybody's about to sleep, and then this alarm went off, and then um, everybody got settled. The first night, I did have to get up and put a trash bag over an exit sign because yeah. it was too bright, and it was shining on Ryan Peckham, and he had his arm covering his eyes. Uh, Logan was up there, and so they, it was just so bright. Um, so I covered it up with a trash bag. Uh, but the first night was worse than after that. I think everybody was so They were tired throwing stuff. Yeah. They're all throwing stuff from the top bunks. And they're trying to hit each other. They're all hyped up too. Yeah. Right? I knew but it. it was 30 minutes. I think our game was at nine o'clock in that morning. We had our 11. So we we had to get to bed. I will say that. So they finally, it was about 30, 45 minutes. And they all went to bed. In fact, they went to bed every night very easily. They weren't. It was time to go. They had a curfew there. You had, that lights had to be out. 
And they were had their little go-karts out there checking to make sure everyone was What there. was going on on the grounds uh, between games in terms of there's like 120-something teams, each with 12 to 15 kids, each with three coaches. Um, what are all these kids doing to fill the time between the games? Well, two, two of the days were good because we had morning games, came back, changed clothes, showered probably, ate lunch, and then just put your uniform back on for the each day we wore a different color. So mm -hmm. morning was blue and red this afternoon, something like that. So the, the days were, those two days were covered pretty good. That's why we didn't need snacks. And we well, everybody have, else was out there. They're all playing wiffle ball. There was well, hundreds and hundreds of games. We brought the hundreds and hundreds of games of baseball. That's right. Yeah, they went outside and playing can jam, but all other teams were out there playing base. Yeah. They were actually playing uh, wiffle ball or they were trading pins. A lot of kids were trading pins, but some of ours did not. Larry, you mentioned the showering. I heard y'all enjoyed the showering situation. <laughs> Did we? No, I don't think so. I heard it was something like an activity. Like the getting, boys. Oh, it was an activity. The all right. Boys well, treated it like it was we're gonna go in here to cool off, yeah. but I don't know. The shower I was no. in to set it up. Yeah. You like pushed a happen. button yeah. and it lasted for about 30 seconds. And by the time like 15 seconds rolled around, I felt it was like 80 degrees. So you'd have to jump to the next, next shower, one. push the button to get a little bit of cold water. There was no regulating temperature. Um, you so wanted to go in there when no one else was there because then you can go down right down the line and get yeah. all of them. So I'm hearing the food sucked, showering was impossible, sleeping was difficult, yet everybody had a great time and people can't wait to go back. Every yeah, year you fill it up. Like what is the what is the charm of Cooperstown? Like from y'all's perspective as coaches that just lived through it, like it lived up the expectations. How was that to be? How's that to be? I didn't know what to expect because I I mean I've heard about it. Uh, you know, Bill had told us a little bit about it, but he was like, do you really want to sleep in the bunks or the barracks? And, uh, I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, I asked Logan a couple of weeks after, like, what do you remember? And he's like, I really love being there with my friends and mm -hmm. playing games. He's like, we played a lot of games and we had a lot of fun, you mean uh, baseball, games. baseball games. Um, he's like, and we hung out and we were, he like, they liked the barracks. Like I even heard Graham think the last night we weren't going to stay at the barracks. They're like, what do you mean? Well, we're not going to get another night at the barracks. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they enjoyed being there away from their parents. Although us three were there, we were kind of background noise to them. Um, I, you know, I just, I didn't know what to expect going in from a facility, but when you drive in, it's like, ah, and you look and it's gorgeous fields and baseball and there's the mountains. And so it's kind of a picturesque. Yeah. That kind of takes over for the other stuff. I don't know how many times in the barracks mm -hmm. I, I yelled, whose is this? I mean, <laughs> there's stuff everywhere. Angry, angry Larry. Yeah. No, will, just, you know, socks with no names on it and hats. I, and just, I think Bill and I got a kick out of seeing the behind the scenes of Larry and Matthew's relationship because so. um, Matthew, I could see it. I don't know if Larry knew. I don't know if we even talked about it, but Bill and I talked about it. Larry was big on Matthew hanging his towel up after he would go to the shower, but Matthew would come back. I would see him look at his dad and just drop that towel <laughs> five seconds later. Well, we had Larry. the same one. We had those microfiber <laughs> things, and I didn't know when we hung them up, which one was mine, which one was his. I'm like, I have a thing about yeah. towels being on the floor. Yeah, five seconds later, yeah. Larry's like, Matthew, your towel's on the floor, and you could see him start grinning. Every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, how about you, Bill? Because you very much were like, if you guys want to go to Cooperstown, we'll take a vote and we'll go. I mean, I think you probably would have done either, either way. It's because you've been there. Um, because, you, because you've been there. But going there as a coach, experiencing what you did, what is going to be your kind of lasting recollections and, and what did you get out of it? I would say at when I've, I really didn't want to go because I didn't want to stay in the barracks because I just heard from all these other coaches before, oh, you're going to have a good time. Gonna, but I, I will go ahead and mark my words. I wouldn't change it for the world. It was, it's really the boys being together. It's like when we always go to our, our uh, vacations in Florida. It's all about the kids and they're spending the night together. But this is, in a, of course, when we go to Florida, it's nice air conditioned the whole nine yards. This is a little bit different where you're, they're interacting. They're running around. He even they say some are running around naked. Just, you know, just having a good time. You know, just things that you will, they'll remember forever. And I would say they'll remember hanging out with their buddies, playing playing games and like can jam or just spending time with their buddies more than they will the games. Besides Tyler's home run. I'll, we'll I'll we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, man, you, you were in a good spot all week. We All of us dads and, and parents and families were like, Bill's have the time of his life. 
you, yeah. you you were having fun, and you and not that not that you don't always look like you're having fun, but like mm-hmm. I could tell that like you were digging it. It was it was really cool. All three of y'all were. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, you were you were sending us pictures, and you know, kind of keeping up with with the documenting stuff. Larry was the was the rules, making sure we were getting followed. So e- even there, I think that you guys did a good job splitting up your roles and responsibilities. Uh, and I know that we all just very much appreciate it because again, game would end, we'd go back to the cabins yeah. and <laughs> you guys would yeah, and hang out and drink and go eat and we're like, I ah, see you guys. Uh, you mentioned Maidaman's home run. Of course, that's going to live in infamy forever. Um, and we can talk about it. Well, we do want to talk about it. But other memories you have of specific games, like on the field, because really we were there to play games. And there was five games in the first three or four days or whatever. And we had tons of success, which was great. I think that added to the fun. Um, anything that that sticks out in terms of memories? I remember the first game. It was July 4th. And we're at... First uh, game at Cooperstown? Yeah, first game at Cooperstown. We're playing That's on July 4th. And, uh, you know, you're in what's... Baseball Mecca. It's July fourth. What what do you do on July fourth? You play baseball. This is America, right? And so before the game, I've got the boys huddled, and I'm like, "Boys, it's July fourth. We're playing Canada." I'm about to say, "And we're playing Canada." <laughs> Team from Canada. USA does not lose on July fourth <laughs> in baseball. In baseball, and they all, maybe hockey or yeah. curling, but not baseball. <laughs> they all looked at me like, "Oh, what, what?" And I was like, "Yeah." And so I gave the speech of like, "This is July fourth. We don't lose. We're playing Canada. That's Team Canada right there. We're USA." And I think we quickly realized after the first inning we were going to play for that. I was gonna <laughs> say that speech worked because we won thirty something to nothing. Thirty. <laughs> Yeah. Two to one or 31 to one or something. Was it nothing? I don't know. Yeah, Shut out. One. But yeah, so that was like the start of it. I kind of remember that. Um, I don't remember one specific reason. I mean, thing going on. But I, what I remember is, is winning all five games and being in a good position to going into the, the, um, the, um, the, tournament. the tournament. Yeah. In a good seed, and we we actually had good seed. We just happened to run across a team that was yeah we pretty got, highly we, ranked. Yeah, we kind of got screwed in how that worked out. Um, but I'm with you. Like when, going five and zero, uh, that in and of itself was impressive. We played some good teams. Canada wasn't great, but they had a good time. I mean, they were high fiving all the kids with the home runs, and they were in good moods. Um, we beat some good teams along the way, so I agree with you. Like that was pretty impressive, Larry. Cooperstown specifically, I I, <coughs> I I just enjoyed being there. But like I said, the it, up north, it gets a bad rap, but that was a pretty place. And uh, I actually enjoy, did enjoy the, the Hall of Fame um, and just being up there. I wish the kids would appreciate it a little bit more. Um, I think that whole that's a whole nother podcast about the appreciation level the kids have for sports today. But, um, you know, I think I have to say probably the Materman home run is, is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I do I – do, things stick out when you and I went to go watch the team that beforehand the night before we sat there and watched two teams play and what's the one memory we have from that is how much the coach was disrespectful to the other team and uh and I just you know you just look at that and go we're just we're just going to be who we are and not you know go to that level but um the you know you say respect I think we went five and zero, oh, and we put up some football scores on some teams. But our kids remain respectful, and I will say, me coaching third, I was always on the other side where that team was there, and the coaches talked to me. I remember the first night, one of the questions again was like, "Where are you guys from?" And like, "Oh, our kids are all from three miles of our park." They thought we were one of these teams that pulled all these kids together, and the coach was like. Oh, well, we, we appreciate that because now we're not getting beat by a powerhouse team yeah. that's pulled together and like, it's okay. But I felt bad because I'm coaching third, waving kids in and you're scoring that many runs. You're not trying to do it, but there's a, you play four innings regardless of what it is. There's no run limit. Um, but those teams that we played, the kids were respectful. We were scoring a bunch of runs. Um, one of our final, I think our final pool game, we played against a team that had a dad who's serving in the military and he's going back over to serve. Mm-hmm. He had his younger t- kid playing up with his brother because this was the only year they could do Cooperstown. And so I, I was talking that, yeah. to him about that. And so after mm-hmm. the game, I had our boys go over and say like, hey, thank you for your service to our country. And they all understood like, hey, here's what this is. And That's so they're respectful. And I think we beat that team yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot, a yeah. little, yeah. Um, but that was the thing. I felt like they were respectful. And even though we were beating these teams pretty bad. Yeah. I do have one more. Go for it. So as a, as a uh, self-taught switch hitter, 
Graham's left-handed. Oh, yeah, I think was good point. My heart because I, I pushed him. I told him, as long as you're not goofing around and you want to do this, go up there and do it. Because I've seen him hit it and he can hit. And man, hitting that ball in the park was. I just my dad for my birthday gave me my baseball a baseball that was my first left-handed home run. I didn't even know he had it. And so that was pretty cool. Well, Graham came up and asked me, he's like, can I bat left-handed? And I was like, sure, yeah. you can bat left-handed. And so he bats left-handed, hits his uh, home run out of the park, first one at Cooperstown. And he's rounding third. He gets to home. And I oh think we God. should walk through this yeah. because I didn't know what was happening other than he touched home. I looked away. And I looked back, I looked away. Yeah, yeah. and there was an incident at home where all of a sudden yeah, I'm thinking he got <laughs> either thrown out of the game or he didn't touch home because he was throwing his helmet. Um, but why don't you tell us what happened? Well, all I know is we're going crazy because I didn't even know he was going to go up there and hit left-handed. Um, I know he asked you, and then you suggested that he do it. And then all I know is Bill looks at me, and he says, just come here. <laughs> I said, what? I said, the kid, oh, what? what? He says, lost his tooth again, knocked it out, which he's had, that's happened before. Uh, and it, you talk about going from high to a low. You know, like we were so excited. That game was awesome. You remember like yeah. that game, we probably hit six or seven home runs. Yeah. Um, Hampton, I think at the third batter of the game, hit one out. And so everybody's partying. We're like, this is going to be a great week. You know, Grand did his thing. I'm like, here we go. Like middle of Cooperstown, <laughs> you know. Dope. My dad can't fly up and fix his teeth. So yeah. when, Gra when Graham came back up to bat the next inning, I was like, bat lefty again. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And I was like, dude, you just hit one out lefty. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but his home run, I appreciate you bringing it up, pales in comparison to Bateman's. I mean, you know, I look back over the four years we're all together, and there's two home runs that stick out to me. Uh, Y'all remember Joseph's at 9U. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. He had home yes. runs. When, he, when, when no one at 9 was hitting home runs. Like, that just wasn't a thing. They're not big enough. And he's only on deck circle, and he had to go to the bathroom. And He's looking at his mom. He's looking at his mom. He's box. And he said he had in the batter's box, calls time to go to the bathroom. And what was it you on first base, Larry? He's like, I go to the bathroom. Like, you got to hit. And so you said, hit it out of the park. Hit it out of the park. And then, and you then go. You go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure, damn enough. That joker next pitch. Hit an Acuna sign. Send it. He runs all the way on the base, straight to the bathroom. It was too late, though. It was too late. <laughs> so don't sell my man out on national television. So, nine, so, okay. so that sticks out. And then uh the maidenman thing man one of y'all can set the stage because it's still just it's amazing um i can't really we have there's uh, any behind the scenes stuff we can't really say but well we have matthew on first base yeah matthew, matthew walked. got hit he got hit by a pitch yeah matthew mm -hmm. got walked i mean even the previous inning we had to have two a couple out, of things happen for us to get two runs to get back in it but uh matthew walked or got hit went to first base we called timeout we, i came to you and i came said to me. i said you need to steal him on the first pitch. We, we don't like to, to get a batter behind, but take this first pitch mm -hmm. and get him on second and tie the game. Maderman's not a home run hitter. He'll get a single. We'll, we'll score him. He totally, so, he totally so missed it. Totally as missed Scott design. goes to tell him, I hear Scott say either, hey, take the first pitch or watch the first or something like that. I, and I was thinking to myself, I don't know if, if Maderman really, really understood that. Yeah, I went up and I was like, hey, we're going to take the first pitch. We want Matthew to steal second. And he looks at me, and Tyler doesn't say a lot. Um, and he looks at me, shakes his head, and I'm like, okay, he's got it. And I go back to no. third. <laughs> no. First pitch. Yes, that's that's first pitch. Matthew's stealing, home run. <laughs> home so we're run. down by one. Extra, extra innings. Extra innings. And this was the last game, or the fourth four, the fourth game in pool play. So, again, it, it, it means a lot. It was the best team we're going to play, It was the best too. team we're going to play, too. We're down by one. We fought back in the, the to get to extra innings. A couple things had to happen. Yeah. Um, bottom of the last inning, two outs. Matthew's on first. And then we heard afterwards that he was given the take sign. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. That's just what makes it even that much, like, same thing with Joseph's, like, like him hitting a home run had not happened before, and no one was hitting home runs. Tyler made him into my – Remember, he had never hit one before. I mean, he's a great hitter, but yeah. what you said, he's a line drive hitter. Yeah. Sure enough, that damn joker sends it right center field. Yeah. The home run heard around the world. Yeah. I, I mean, forgot about it. And we're after the game, we were walking back to the barracks and you have to escort the kids. And so I'm walking with Tyler and I'm like, Tyler, did I give you a sign there? What are we talking about? He's like, Oh yeah, you told me to take. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> guys. Oh well, I was like, good job. Well, I Way to ignore me. <laughs> back up and say one of the best things about Cooperstown and the worst thing is is the home runs. Two hundred feet is really short, and you think, oh, this is not fair. It is. It is huge for these kids that don't hit. My son hit two, and he never hits them. And so, it's it's a great thing that they do that. Yeah, Matthew yeah. had not hit one, 
And I think the first game, somehow I got Matthew's name as the baseball pool play behind the scenes that was going oh. on. And I saw Matthew and I was like, I need you to get your first home run today. Right? And he's <laughs> like, what do you mean? I was like, I got you. I believe in you. Let's see it. So, so for those of y'all listening who have kids that are going to go be going to Cooperstown in the next couple of years, like we, as, as, as parents, we did a great thing. Um, kids didn't know about her. We hope the kids didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody dreaded of a hat, a name of a kid. Um, and everybody threw in 10 bucks and whatever kid you got basically was who you were betting on that game. The first kid hit a home run. So, I mean, our team was one that would always root for other kids that just year round, but you're rooting for the other kid that much more. Um, I think we won one Dana. I don't remember who hit it, but maybe it was Bryce. Yeah. So yeah, Bryce, Bryce hits a home run and you get 120 bucks, you know, your kid hits a home run. So it was really neat to see that first time go through. Um, so I suggest doing that. Well, Larry, we are 55 minutes in and pretty much done with this outline. So told you we would bob and weave and we would get through all of it. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad we did because there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, last one to finish off some advice. Like y'all been through it. You've been through it twice. Y'all have y'all, y'all put together and were the architects of a team that was successful on the field, off the field. All the families got along. All the families will look back with just fond memories of, of, of you know youth baseball. So, what's the advice like uh, on field, off field? How to treat people? How to treat each other? Um, people listening that will be in y'all's shoes in a couple of years. What do you want to tell them? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard uh, Bill Miller speechless yeah. before. No, no, I thought they were really, they're pointing to each other. No, um, I'll, yeah, just keep it fun. I'm going to go and tell you it's it's all about the boys. It's realistic. It's all about the boys. And I would say it's about the families as well. I mean, as long as you have a good group of people going down together or wherever they're going to be, is you're having fun. That's why even like like going to Florida every year, it's all about the families and the boys having fun. That's all. I mean, if you're not having, you're not having fun, that means you, I can see a lot of teams out there that are not having fun. If you're going to a different park and you don't know any of the families, think about, you don't know any of the families, any of the other kids, they're just pulling up, dropping your kid off, and you have no relationship with any of the kids or the other families. I see it all the time. Keep it realistic. Hey, you're, they're, they're 10 to 12 years old. Yeah, my, my goal was to make them want to play baseball until they realize that they are not good enough or, you know, whatever. Let, let them get to them to an age where they can take it on them, themselves. You know, 14, 15, and high school levels. Because college baseball is the most fun I ever had. And I just, would, I just want my kids to do that, softball and baseball. So how do you get them there? Well, you don't discourage them. You don't overthrow them. You don't you – know, you teach them the mm -hmm. right things, the sportsmanship and the hard practice and the – when they don't want to go to practice, you know, how important it is to be there. Because, man, I don't know how many times I used to have to drag him at six and seven when half the time they wanted to quit in the fall, they didn't want to play because it was football, this and that. You get them there, and what happens? They they see their buddies and they have fun. Mm -hmm. so. I mean, I, I think, A, remember their kids. Um, you know, for us, I think we always treated them with respect, but we wanted them to be – boys and kids, but also young men who are going to go on to do something in life other than mm -hmm. play baseball, but take things that they learn, which is coming to practice, um, giving your best effort, being a good teammate and, and encouraging people. Cause these are all things they're going to learn that they're going to have to do in life and in families, um, and, and whatever they become. And we wanted to help them to develop into these young men. Um, so I think for those parents who are having kids who are going to come through this, um, just kind of keep that in perspective. Um, I think for all these kids, we don't know what position they're going to end up playing ultimately. And so mm -hmm. it's giving them a, a chance to play multiple roles, learn to develop, um, and what they're playing and, and whether it's football, baseball, basketball, running, whatever they become, they can still take anything from our practices or from the games and kind of use that for whatever they have that's going to face them in adversaries or um, challenges they're going to face um, because they're going to get injured at some point. They're going to have things that are going to come upon in life and they can pull together back memories of what they had and had to go through our struggles and, and get through to that next level if they want. Very good stuff, guys. Go ahead. Most people, I mean, what I miss most, I play college football. What I miss most growing up playing any kind of sport is the locker room. The locker room, fun, joking, Bust you know, down. busting on everybody else. And that's what it boils down to. We, everyone, there's going to be a time where everyone's going to end up 
not playing the sport they want to play. But if you look back 20 years ago, or it's all about the friends and bonds you make then that will relate back and will relate later on in life. You'll remember those. I always say that Graham loves broing out. Like Graham loved mm-hmm. growing out. And exactly. and I appreciate that you guys create a culture where he can do that. And that he's mm-hmm. got these friends that he's known since he was, you know, on seven U with you, eight U with you, and much time like that. That was a culture that let him do that and he had a good time. And we had success too. Like, let's not forget oh, yeah. about that. No, we did. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget about winning the World Series multiple times and winning mm-hmm. tournaments multiple times and playing high level. So, you know. I think that the balance that y'all struck was was really good. And so, you know, golf clap for me on that. I know that all the families really appreciated what you guys done and what you guys have, have done. And I know we don't always say it. And I know you still get some com- some calls and some text messages and some, you know, things are being said, but all of it is with love from deep down in our heart, you know. <laughs> but but true. We 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 love you guys. We appreciate it. So uh just thank you from from me personally, from Dana and for everybody on the team. We appreciate y'all. And thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, we're going to do it in Cooperstown, but I think it's good that we let some time pass and now it's even more fun to go back and listen. So, uh, and everybody out there, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for following us on those games in Cooperstown. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, I got a few favors from you. Tell a friend, spread the word, um, give us a five-star rating. That'd be very much appreciated. Leave a review, all that's good stuff. Check out old episodes at sportsatorts.com. There's all sorts of fun things you go listen to. Uh, And until next time, see you next week. Keep chopping.